0: So, J.R., the Democratic Party of Wisconsin held its state convention on Friday night under unusual circumstances because of the coronavirus. It's typically a two-day affair, but this one was boiled down to a virtual event lasting a few hours. Democrats who tuned in heard speeches from a string of elected officials, including Governor Tony Evers, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, Wisconsin U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin and U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, who won Wisconsin's Democratic presidential primary in 2016. And the headliner was this year's presumptive Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden. In a pre recorded speech, Biden touched on the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police, which has sparked massive protests across the country. He said the country needs to confront systemic racism and to stand with black and brown communities for justice for all. Biden also called Wisconsin a quote, important battleground state for our campaign in 2020. What did you think of Biden's speech? Did he effectively rally the troops in Wisconsin? It's
1: hard to know because it's such a unique format to have a virtual convention. Also, by the way, it could be somewhat of a preview of what the national Convention could look like because we still don't know if Democrats are going to gather in Milwaukee in person uh, the way Republicans appear to plan to in Jacksonville. That said, you know the whole point of state conventions really is one to conduct some party business, you know, get it up to in the end of budget. Um, this year they elected members of the Democratic National Committee know, take care of those kinds of things. And the second piece is kind of a a pep rally for the the people who stuff the envelopes, who make the phone calls, who hand out the yard signs, the the base of the base. The thing is, it's hard to know if those folks tuned in on Friday night to watch the convention. It's hard to know if they need any more motivation. I mean, let's face it, you know, Wisconsin is uh, on the... One of the tipping points in this presidential election, I don't know if the activists on either side really need much goosing right now to get motivated to make those phone calls because they are so plugged in and have been for a long time. So it's, it's hard to know how effective that convention was just because of the it's the first time we've seen one done like that, and it's hard to know, again, who tuned in to watch it.
0: Right. Were there pros or cons, mostly, of the virtual event compared to a typical in-person convention appearance?
1: Well, you know, if if this were a a normal quote-unquote year, you may have seen Joe Biden, for example, in person in Wisconsin or one of his top surrogates in person talking to the convention. That would have generated a lot of attention, um, probably brought some people out to the the gathering. People like me who cover these things would have noted like how many people showed up. It's usually a gauge of the intensity of the base by the size of the crowd that you get. So things like that we would have noted that aren't there. So maybe it's it's not quite the opportunity that Biden would have normally had to kind of come in and rally the, rally the faithful and get headlines around the state. Because, you know, if he was here in person, it's a lot different than a recorded two and a half minute message being played online to who knows who is watching.
0: Also last week, it was revealed that one of Democratic Governor Tony Evers' staffers secretly recorded a private phone meeting between the governor and Republican legislative leaders last month. The meeting focused on the next steps after the Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down Evers' safer-at-home order. State law allows for phone calls to be recorded as long as one party knows about it. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald say they didn't know about it, and neither did Evers. Now Republican leaders, as well as some Democrats in the legislature, are calling for the staffer to be fired. What do you think will happen here?
1: Well, uh, Governor Evers declined last week to say who the aide was that taped the call without his knowledge would not discuss whether there's going to be any discipline action toward anybody who was involved in this. So all he's doing is kind of fueling the speculation of, okay, if, if you're not going to say who did this, we're, people are going to get, try and guess who did it. Right. What's interesting about this whole thing is that, you know, the relationship between Governor Evers and Republican lawmakers has not been good from even before he was inaugurated. Remember back in December of 18, our uh, Republicans passed a lame duck session, a series of bills that reigned in his power uh, things have, just getting off the right foot right away. And there have been a number of, you know, slights real or perceived ever since then that have kind of just inflamed that tension. The question that I've had after what happened, what came to light, I should say, last week, is, one, you know, is there any way to come back from this? Can they can they salvage some kind of trust again in their relationship? And let's be honest, there wasn't much trust to begin with. But in politics, you know, you don't have to like the person you're dealing with. You don't have to even necessarily respect that person And leaking is part of the the business, but taping a conversation without somebody's knowledge, that's just a bridge too far with people I talked to last week. So it really reflects poorly on the governor that one of his aides did this and the fact that he's not taking a step to rectify it by possibly disciplining somebody or firing somebody. just kind of raises questions about how they're going to try to repair the damage that's been done.
0: At the same time, some leaders of immigrant rights groups are calling for Speaker Voss to resign because of some things he said in that phone call. Voss said an immigrant culture was to blame for an outbreak of COVID-19 in Racine County. What was Voss's response and do you think he'll step down? His
1: response was that the the media coverage is kind of sensationalist and no he's not stepping down. Um you know, they, his, him in his office stressed the work that he's done on COVID-19, and it seems like something that kind of popped up and isn't going to stick around for a long time. I don't see a whole lot of movement among his colleagues, really no, no movement, to have him face any kind of consequences for this. So it's really just not really kind of catching fire at this point.
0: In another development, the Wisconsin Legislative Black Caucus is asking Governor Evers to call a special session of the legislature for this Friday, June 19th, which is Juneteenth Day, to take up police reforms in the wake of the death of George Floyd. Evers already has been pushing a bill which aims to overhaul use of force policies. What are the chances of this special session happening?
1: It's not clear because the governor really hasn't spoken about whether he's going to even consider the request. Remember, he initially called for action on this bill that would overhaul police policies when it comes to use of force. But when he called for action on that bill, he did not call a special session. And remember with special sessions, a governor can call them, but he can't force lawmakers to meet. And lawmakers in the past have gaveled in and out very quickly special sessions on things like you know, gun control issues, right? So we've been kind of watching to see the governor's going to try and push this uh In the same way and what Republicans would do, but at this point, he has not made any public statements about wanting to call a special session. Um, And we're not quite clear why because he hasn't addressed it.
0: And finally, University of Alaska President Jim Johnson last week withdrew his name from consideration for the job of UW System President to replace Roy Cross, who is retiring. Johnson was the only finalist for the position, which sparked some controversy. Other potential finalists had withdrawn from the running out of concern about being publicly named during the coronavirus pandemic. Members of UW faculty and staff criticized both the search process and Johnson for advocating for program cuts at the University of Alaska. They asked that the search be declared a failure. So now that Johnson has withdrawn his name, what's next?
1: Well, from what the university, from the Board of Regents president said, they were going to try and get through the initial problems, challenges that they face when it comes to the budget and COVID-19. Once they work their way through that, they're going to figure it out. Um, And that's the big questions hanging out there. Who's going to leave the university in the meantime? Remember Ray Cross is all queued up to retire. Um, one option would be to ask Ray to stay, stay on. But if you think about a timeline, you know, how many months is it going to be before we get through COVID-19 and the, and the budget issues? Maybe six. Then you go try to start a new um, search process. You're likely talking a full school year that Ray would have to stick around uh, if he chose to or was asked to even. You could go the route of elevating somebody in an interim basis from the faculty or from the staff somewhere, administration somewhere. What's dangerous about that or, or diff- say difficult is if, The person who's elevated also wants the job permanently. That can be kind of of tricky to maneuver. Another option would be there are retired administrators around the country who you can go tap to come in on a temporary basis and guide the ship for a while. But all of them have a downside, and you're also talking about somebody leading the university in time when it's trying to deal with a budget problem and a pandemic. It's not not an ideal situation, to say the least, for them right now that have this going on.
0: That's SwissPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.